um, uh, wait, it's doing that thing. Hi guys, um, please tell me as usual whether you can hear me, see me, um, tell me what's up. This is Mark Bichachi coming live and direct to you and yours, <laughs> broadcasting live to you and yours. If you like hip-hop, you know what song I'm referring to. If you don't, then pole. But do me a favor, let me know if you can hear me. Um, if we are on the same page, just give me a shout, give me a shout, give me a shout, give me a shout. If we are good, I don't know why this thing is not charging. That's what I don't know. I need it. Just one second, guys. Sound is good. Can't you can check for me. This is charging. All right, guys. So I just want to start out by trying and explaining something before I get into grace and try and explain to turn this light switch and try and explain why 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 we approach scripture the way we do. Yeah, uh, revivalist Israel. Robert uh, Santi when a revival is not as in just the way it was but just yeah thanks so um I want to discuss Albert Njonjo Mambo now quick one I just want to discuss uh, for everyone's it's it's over there it's not there the the for everyone's clarity why why we are doing this series now we're doing this series uh, hi Miss Wagaki long time um, we're doing this series for a very simple reason. Now, this reason is this. A lot of people misunderstand the significance of the fall of man. Okay? And this is what I mean. A lot of the time, we separate the fall of man and the reality of living with God and we separate them and then we think they're two diametrically opposite things. Here's what I mean. A lot of the time we think, uh, for example, that the whole purpose of salvation and all of these things is for you to escape reality and go live in heaven. Okay, And that's what you've been taught. I, I don't blame you. Uh, but there's something that's very important in the book of Genesis and, and God talks about it and he says, for as long as the earth and your social seed time and harvest, this, this was not a cast position. It was a default setting as to how God intended the earth to work. Now, so that we are on the same page and we understand each other, please understand that Adam's fall in no way changed how God intended the earth to work. Okay, now understand this clearly, okay, that when God creates physical reality, what we call the earth, he creates it to respond to a thing, a being called a sun. 
because the son is the rightful ruler of earth. God says that the heavens belong to God, but the earth he's given to the sons of men forever. So clearly when the son of man came, he gave us a template upon which, Sasa Simon, long time, bro. You know, uh, he gives of us a template by which men shall rule. And this is very important. Now, you need to understand that God did not give us mystic keys but he gave us practical keys to live life. What? Why am I drawing this difference? A lot of time, what Christians try to practice is mystical. Let me explain a mystical thing that Christians like to practice. So Christians, for example, like to practice the idea that when they, they, they pray really hard the entire night, then God hears them more than when they pray uh, uh, for a short time. Okay, now the, the problem with that is that then you think God is the same as many other people, you know, your teachers, your parents, or even other gods where it is performance based. And, and therefore, you believe that if I do the mis this mystical thing called prayer, I will receive this practical thing called a job. And, and the problem with that disconnect in our heads is then concepts such as grace and mercy and love become very impractical things and therefore you do not uh, 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 practice them. And, and this is why we need to get these concepts into some practical framework. Uh, what, do, what, what do I mean? A practical framework is this, that when you hear of grace, it is not some mystical ointment that you apply on sin and it disappears. That's not how it works because then you don't know how to apply it. This is the problem. If you do not understand what a thing is, you don't know how to use it. So, for example, if you believe uh, prayer, hey, bro, Felix, Mambo, uh, if you believe prayer is, is a, a mystical thing, then, like the disciples, you do not know how to pray and you do not know how to have effective prayer because you've landed it in a mystical thing. Uh, 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 it's akin to, and this is the mistake a lot of people make, is you take something like a like the, the the thing about four leaf clovers you know that if you get a four leaf clover you're lucky so similarly you believe if you go to a kesha for a long time then god will bless you or even more money wise you think that if you give god money then your life will go very well uh, that's mysticism you you separate the practical realities of life from your religion and therefore what you do in your religion is something to please God and then practically you can't apply it and you get lost. This is a very, very big issue within the Christian faith and, and we need to sort it out. And that's why this particular uh, series on grace is dealing with that. Now, I want you to understand grace is not somewhere up there in heaven. Grace is with us. Why we know this? Because we keep on praying every time and you say, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. So meaning it is with us. It is here. The, the grace is here. Now the problem is if you make it mystical, you make it like a four-leaf clover, then you don't know how it works. Let me try and explain that. You see, if you believe the... The, 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 a four-leaf clover, let me, um, pum, 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 pum. give me something like a plant, a prop I can use. 
uh, get something, a leaf from the kitchen or something, right? So, but but when you take a, a four-leaf clover, right? You 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 take it, and then you believe good luck will come to you, and you do not know how that good luck comes to you. This is what I mean by mystical. It is the same thing when when you say you have faith to get a car and you don't know how you're going to get a car that my friend is is mysticism and it's what a lot of christians practice so there's a big difference between what you practically do all right uh, and 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 you forget so for example if you go to a witch doctor and they tell you if you take this leaf and you put it here right you will succeed in life now what happens is is you do not know how this leaf is connected to your success. That is mysticism. And it's something that we need to debunk because Jesus taught a very practical faith. Now, what do I mean by practical? We must understand that nature is not God's enemy. Nature is created by God. Don't get right? How things work was instituted by God. The wisdom of things is something that God created. So if by wisdom, the foundations of the earth were set, and then the guy in Proverbs says, in all you're getting, get wisdom, then practically speaking, you must begin to think that whatever is included in the pages of scripture is actual practical living advice. It is not mystical. And this is why Peter says this, it says, be ready, high power belly, silver, and Karo Akinya, I see you. Um, when, when, when you talk, when Peter says, he says, be ready to give answer and to defend what you believe. In other words, be able to give a logical explanation for what you believe. Now, I know you've been taught that faith is foolish. It's not. It's foolishness to them that don't believe. Let me explain. It's the same way that if your great-great-grandmother or grandfather woke up today and then they said they want to talk to someone many kilometers away, and they started to start the fire, the smoke signal fire. And you told them, no, 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 do not worry. I will call them using my phone. Now, when you tell them, call them using your phone, they will look at you and tell you, how are you going to talk to someone using a brick? So to them, what you're doing is foolishness. But to you, because you understand how it works, it's practical. Okay, And that's where you must get to your understanding of faith. It needs to be something that's very, very, very practical. Right? And, and, and uh, Winnie Orimba is asking the question of novenas. And, and I'll answer you directly, Winnie. That is religious mysticism at its core. You tell me how you're going to play. The, the, let me start with the Hail Mary, right? The, the Rosary, rather. How is praying 10 Hail Marys going to impress God. Just think about it practically, right? It's mysticism because what they were trying to do is to get you to believe that by your ritualistic practice of something, then you've achieved something, which is not practical. You understand? If you look at Jesus, the disciples, look at Jesus himself. You tell me in the entire Bible which prayer of Jesus is more than five minutes long. You'll find none. 
And, and, and Jesus didn't have repetitive prayer. If you read Matthew chapter 6, it says do not even repeat yourself in prayer because it says the pagans, those who do not believe. So please understand me. It is the pagans who think they will be heard for their much speaking. And I'll line that, Matthew 6, it's the pagans. So in other words, the more you feel you need to repeat yourself, the more you are showing us that you don't believe because you think it is by repetition, not by faith, that you'll be hard, okay? That brings me to today's subject, right? And, and, and there's a reason why I, I am giving you this understanding. Obed Mambo, I, I want you to understand something. Grace is here with us and it is practical, all right? And, and, and understand the grace of God was shed abroad, right? So there is grace in abundance. Now, the problem is your understanding of grace is missing. Now, when you don't understand it, you do not know how to harness it, and neither do you know why it is important. So, I'll give you an example. People who are not educated could be living, swimming in a river of, of oil. They would never buy cars because they don't know what oil is for. So, it is important that you understand you are perishing for your lack of knowledge. All right. And I know I have a lot of fights with a lot of people who keep telling me, oh, but what you teach is hard. It's hard to understand. But that's the whole point. It is what you don't understand that is killing you. That's the point. You understand? Yeah. And, 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 and uh, Obed, you're right. Even when you talk about the length of prayer, or the repetition of prayer, if you look at Jesus, my friend, you'll revolutionize completely how you pray. But I want to go to the issue of grace. Now today, and, and I've spoken about grace and I've talked about grace, I, I want to recap a little bit before I go into what I want to describe about multiplying grace. Because if grace is an entity that God gives you, then how do you multiply it? How do you make it function in multiple facets? Now, someone asked me this question and I thought it's important for me to use it as a tool to recap and they said I do not know what my grace is and and this is a common question and it's tied to the question of I don't know what my purpose is now here's the biggest issue if you want to understand what your grace is you must know one key cardinal scripture do not despise the day of humble beginnings now, the biggest problem with how people think about grace and purpose and gifting and all of those things is they think about it in two main dimensions. Number one, it's going to make you a lot of money. And number two, it's going to make you very famous, right? So even when you look at the visions and missions of many people, many Christians, and this is a worldly way of looking at it, is to say that I want to be the best uh, businessman in Africa. I want to be known as the best teacher in Kenya. All of that, my friend, is a worldly standard of measuring things because you are measuring the harvest. Now, understand something. The harvest of any activity done for God is not yours. It is God who is the Lord of the harvest. You are not the Lord of the harvest. You are simply one that he sends in to bring in the sheaves. Okay, so what do I mean? Remove the ideology of your purpose, your destiny, your, 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 your grace is supposed to make you money. Remove that ideology from your head. Also remove the ideology that it's supposed to make you famous. Because those are the things that trick people, right? Right? So here's the thing. The, when you take 
that understanding and realize this, that grace is quite often the most simple thing you can see. So let me give you an example. One of the graces I have is talking. <laughs> All right? And, and, and it seems ridiculous, uh, talking. Now, there are people who made money from talking. They are called motivational speakers or inspirational speakers, and there's nothing wrong with what they do. There are people who need encouragement, but I'm not one of those people, right? When I speak, I make you think and I give you a headache, right? So it is not something that is commercially viable. How I teach, how I preach is not commercially viable, right? But it does not take away from the fact that it is a grace from God. Right, So I do not need to think of something more difficult to do uh, to think that that is a grace. A grace is something that you do naturally. So for example, the people who are graced to sing, right? And, and, and what they do is they don't practice, they just wake up and they start singing and everyone like, oh my goodness, boy, you can sing. It's a grace, right? It just comes out naturally right and 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 Obed, let me just read what you said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of my law where i reveal my will because you the priestly nation have rejected knowledge very key rejected knowledge i will also reject you from being my priest since you have forgotten the law of your god and for and i will also forget your children and 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 therefore the lack of knowledge is is the rejection it is the rejection of the word of god right and and how do you reject it let me explain um and and we started this kitambo in john chapter 6 where people rejected christ because what he said was a hard saying you know and this is a problem in africa we don't want to process hard thoughts right so when you, it comes to grace it's something that comes natural right there the, 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 is barnabas had the grace of encouraging the brethren Right, so you can imagine he was that guy who was always happy, who was there, who was telling people, you know what, we can make it, let's keep doing it. That was his grace, that's what he's known for in the Bible. That's Barnabas's thing, right? Now, if you were told that your job is to encourage people, you're like, okay, so how am I going to make money? Which school will I go to to be encouraging people? And that's the kind of nonsense, wild thinking that takes away from what is naturally your gift. Are we together? Naturally your gift. Now, when I speak naturally your gift, now how is this that one has grace and another is full of grace? Is there a measure? There's only one who was full of grace, David Njenga. The only one who was full of uh, grace uh, is Jesus Christ. He was full of grace. Okay? Now, that's the only one. Now, because he was full of grace, when he says, this is my body broken for you, what he was breaking is he was breaking grace. And I talked about this last week. And he says, Christ has given us his grace according to the measure that he chose. So it's not arbitrary. So Christ was full of grace. And then all of us have bits of grace. All right? I hope I've answered your question. Now, moving on. So it's important to understand that you cannot look at grace as a money-making function. You miss the point. You cannot look at grace as something you can be educated into. So please understand me. Even I, with my croaky voice, can go to music school and can be taught how to sing. Now, the fact that I can sing does not mean I am graced to sing. It's not the same thing. It is not the ability to do a thing that means you're graced. So I'll give you an example. There's something called a walking grace. Right now, 
unless you are paralyzed, God bless you if you are, but all of, most of us can walk, right? Now, if you go to a walking race, is when you will discover that you are not graced in walking. <laughs> you understand? So grace is that thing that makes you do something that other people do, but you can do it better. Right? So that's grace. You understand? So you can do it better. It is something that is natural. There are people who can paint. There are people who can sing. There are people who can talk. There are people who can dance. There are people who can do math. There are people who can do all manner of things and that they are graced in. And therefore, Paul speaks of this in Ephesians and he says he gave us different things but we are all one flesh. That is the grace. All right. Now, how it works, it's very simple. And this is how you identify grace. Okay. And this is how many people miss it because many people hate their grace. Let me explain how it works. When you go into a place, all right, right, you go into uh, an environment yeah, at you being taught. Can Mugane, God forgive you, me being taught how to sing is a hard task. Yeah. Right. So, Listen, how you identify your grace, and Obed, I, I, I see you. This is why I like you. You know, you catch this thing. The, 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 the grace that you have, this is what happens. You walk into a place, any environment, right? And then if you are graced to sing, people will keep asking you to sing. And you will tell them, by the way, I can play chess too. They're like, no, 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 we don't want you to play chess. Sing, right? And and, and you wonder, why do people do this to me, right? And, and that's how you know your grace. Because what happens, this earth was programmed, and by earth I mean the people in it also, were programmed to respond to your grace. They were programmed to respond to your grace. So listen, this is what happens. Practically, let me tell you right when it says in proverbs that that your gift will bring you before kings this is what it meant okay that when you practice that thing that god ordained you to be to do to you are gifted in your grace in when you do it you become a king too <laughs> please understand me your gift is not supposed to bring you before a king so that you can dance and sing. No, 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 no. Your grace is a function of kingship for you. So, okay, I am 35 minutes into this thing and I've not even started reading the scriptures, but let me define what I mean, okay? You see, we are a nation of kings and priests, all right? So each one of us, you listening to me, me, the people around me, all of us are kings. Okay? But you rule not the way the world rules. And this is the problem. The world rules because there is one president in Kenya and there can be no other. But that's not how the kingdom works. The kingdom has many kings. How, do I, how does that work? It means that in the sphere of your grace, you rule. You see, when you are in your element, okay, right? There is, uh, in fact, let me give you an example. There's the king of hip hop. There's the king of, 
recycling, there's the king of, you understand? Because in that thing where they are graced, that is where God has give them, them, given them function to rule, okay? So let me give you an example. If Beyonce wants to see the president of Kenya, she will write a letter and say, I am a world-renowned best performer, best singer. I have many people who follow me because I sing and I want to see you, right? Then Uhuru Kenyatta will respond and say, I am the best, I was the best political candidate in 2017, right? And because of that, I rule as president. Therefore, we can meet at that level. How do you explain to me how Abraham, who had no title, had no land, when he goes into a foreign land, why is he received as a king? Because he did not rule after the dictates of men, he ruled by grace. So what he was graced by opened doors for him to be received by fellow kings. Hello. So these things I'm talking about are not some ethereal thing, they are practical. So in other words, what God did for you before you were born, he sat down and gave you a key, it is called grace. All right? Now, when you take that grace and you apply it, doors open. Okay? So here's the thing. I know, for example, that if God wants me to succeed in a thing, he will allow me to speak because I know that he has given me a grace for talking, right? So I know whether it is a jam I mean in a police, with the police, or whether I need to talk to the bank, or whatever it is, for as long as my tongue will get in there, I know, right? But if you ask me to dance to save my life, I will not try because that's not my grace. Okay? Now, this grace you received, remember everything you receive in the kingdom. Sasa Billy, everything you receive in the kingdom, you receive it in seed form. This is why God says, for as long as earth endures, so shall seed time and harvest. And then he gives you a key. Jesus comes and says, if you understand the parable of the sower, then you understand the kingdom. So let me tell you how you need to understand the kingdom. Everything you have now is seed because when you put it in the good soil, if you give it time, it will come out and become even more. That is how God works. God is a God of multiples. So God multiplies grace. All right? I don't know whether I'm making sense. Now, how do you multiply grace? I want to start this off, and I thought I would do two main scriptures, but it seems I will just do one. I will do Peter. All right? I will do Peter, and, and, and Peter is important. Now, up to this point, I have taught you of grace inborn. Right, you know, you are born and you could sing, you are born and you could dance, you are born and you could talk, you are born and you could do mathematics, you are born, whatever it is you could do, that thing is called grace. Okay, now here's where the rubber meets the road. I have received grace, what then do I do for it to be multiplied? Because unless you multiply it, you will not rule. Like David, you need to understand something. David had to grow into kingship. 
He is not like Saul. Saul was appointed into kingship of 12 tribes. David had to grow. He started outside. Then he went to two. Then he went to 12. Then he went to Jerusalem. Yeah? Please remind me what I have quoted, and then I'll just tell you which scripture it is. I, I know I say a lot. So, Winnie, just tell me what I've said. I'll tell you which scripture it is. Uh, and, and if I miss it, then I will task Oliver and Kimani here to, to write them down for you. So it is critical you understand that David grew, all right? It is important also for you to understand that Jesus grew. The Bible says that he grew in stature, in wisdom, and, 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 and how, what is that called? And his appearance before men, I've missed the term uh, 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 thing right the, the exact term so let me put it to you in perspective when you receive grace you receive a raw gift now it is very usable don't get me wrong it is absolutely usable right but you need to get to the point where you're able to multiply grace now let's then go to the book of peter and 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 peter is an interesting book i i, I love peter uh, Peter is, he makes you think. So I want to read this. I have so many scriptures prepared here, but let me just go to Peter. And 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 Second uh, Peter chapter one, verse two. Right. So we are in Second Peter, chapter one, uh, from verse two. And 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 when I saw this, I think a few weeks back, it blew my mind. Because I'd never connected verse 2 to the rest of what it says. So, but hear me carefully. Because this is, there are two ways to multiply grace, which you must do both. But I'll start with the one. Then we'll go see the other one in Corinthians. If I have time this week, if not next week. Now, in Second Peter chapter 1, it says, Grace and peace, that special sense of spiritual well-being, be multiplied to you. In the true intimate knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, this this it's easy to skip through these things, but it says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the true and intimate knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So you need to intimately know. Now, intimately know, and, and I know you guys like like saying this, I know God, He's my personal savior, and things like that. That's not what it means. It means knowing Him and His ways, how He does things. All right, how he does uh, things. In other words, Jesus put it like this. He said, seek ye fast. All right, seek ye fast the kingdom of God and its righteousness. In other words, its way of doing things. That's that term righteousness there. His way of doing things. Now, let me tell you. The biggest problem you have in your life is you've got so many of your ways of doing things and the world's ways of doing things and you do not know God's way of doing things, right? But that's what you're supposed to seek. So you cannot do it without this. You must use this. So you need to engage it. So he says it is through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord that we what? That we reap. What do we reap? We reap multiplied grace okay and this is true because if you go to john chapter one in john chapter one what does it say in john chapter one it says christ came 
full of grace and knowledge. So how do you multiply grace? You must know stuff. The multiplication of grace is found in what you know. It's very basic. Let me explain to you. The best musicians know about music history. They know about musical instruments. They know about musical arrangement. That's always the best musicians. Even in Kenya. Look at Eric Wainaina. Look at what he knows. Look at Nyashinsky. Look at how he even knows English. You know, he knows Swahili. Look at how he plays those words. Right? So you need to understand that knowledge and grace must meet. The more you know, the more you multiply grace. Let me give you an example. Eminem is considered one of the best rappers. Right? <laughs> and if he's considered one of the best rappers, notice one thing. In the hip-hop community, he is known to have one of the largest vocabularies. Was he born with that vocabulary? No. He had to know. So go Google how much time Eminem spends learning words. Okay? So you must understand, and I'm giving you secular examples so that you have a practical understanding when it says the knowledge of God. It does not mean anything mystical. It is you must know him. It's not a mystical thing. Then, verse 3. Verse 3. Because these scriptures, when they connected for me, they changed my life. So verse 3. For his divine power has bestowed on us his divine power has bestowed. In other words, we already have it because it's bestowed. And he's connecting the multiplication of grace to knowledge. And then four means it's a continuation. Then what he say? His divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. Okay? So he's given us, his, through his divine power, he's given us everything we need for life ungodly living all right now godly living here please understand does not mean what you guys think and then the problem is when people think about godliness you immediately go into sin and sinlessness totally different thing godliness is a way of life it is an operating system okay it's a way to do life now what does it say it he has given us everything necessary for life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So again, you access the promises of God and therefore the multiplied grace by what your knowledge of him who called you. Knowledge. So please don't write to me this thing of, oh, you know, those things are hard. So now me, I, want to, I just want to live a simple Christian life. That's nonsense. That season is gone. The season for the slain church is gone, hear me correctly. The season where you were touched by a force you did not know and you fell on the ground and you rolled is gone. Now what God wants to touch you is he wants to touch you with knowledge. Hear me correctly, preacher man. Right? He wants to touch you with knowledge. 
<laughs> you understand? Yeah? And, 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 and you know, Obed, when I to preach, because now you're going ahead of me, eh? you're, you're, you're stealing my sermon, means we are in the right spirit. I like it when sermons are stolen, right? Because you're giving me the confidence to preach because a matter is established in the presence of two or three witnesses. Now, let's continue, right? Then he says, by this he has bestowed on us his precious and magnificent promises. By this, what? Multiplied grace, increased knowledge, right? And, and his divine power. So by this he has bestowed on us his precious and magnificent promises, right? So that by them you may escape from the immoral freedom that is in the world because of its of disreputable desire and become sharers of the divine nature. Oh, so you see, you've gotten it wrong. When he says he's given his life and godly living, he was not even talking about sin yet, and that's what I meant. So by these promises, in other words, by your knowledge of God, by multiplication of grace, then you are able to escape the world. Okay, so let's continue. What does it say? It continues to say this. For this very reason. So the reason is from verse 2 to verse 5. Multiplied grace. So let me title it that. So for this very reason, for the multiplied grace, what must you do? Applying your diligence. Diligence, number one. Now, how do you multiply grace? You must be diligent. Ah, man, 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 man. Let me read it in another version because I love the Amplified Classic version. Just give me a minute. Yeah, Second Peter chapter 1. I want to show you something because a lot of you suffer and I want to show you how many music careers, many talented people have gone nowhere, right? Listen. For this very reason, adding diligence to the divine promises, <laughs> the promise you must add diligence. So are you a diligent person? So you multiply grace. Let me explain to you. A musician who has got a good voice, if they become diligent in just, and diligence is simple, singing. So let's, let's take the example of singing because I love um, the discipline of successful singers. If you take to the diligence of just singing, and tell yourself, I will sing for one hour every day, you began to multiply grace. Number two, Jesus, where is time going? <laughs> All right. Now it says, employ uh, to the, so diligence to the divine promises. Employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. Now listen, exercising your faith to develop virtue. Think, think, think for one second. You, you think faith is, I'm trusting God for a phone. God, I really want a phone. I really want a phone. That's what you think faith is. No. Faith 
is brought out in exercising virtue, good characteristics. Let me explain. Let's continue because uh, 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 he continues to say, develop virtue, which is what? Excellence, number one. Resolution, number two. Number three, Christian energy. <laughs> Man, I don't know whether I have time. Excellence is what? You are told to sing in a certain key. Did you hit that key? Or you just decided to take a shortcut? Excellence is you are given a job. You are told be there every day at 8. Were you there every day at 8? That's excellence. You are told to polish a surface. Is it a mirror or you just got tired? You are told to create an art piece every day, but you got emotional and you left it halfway. Excellence. Then it continues to say what? Resolution. Be resolute. Focused. But the third one I like most, Christian energy. And this is the problem I have with many Christians. How you approach life. End up in end a job. End up Yani, when we meet you, Yani, we've met 10 wet blankets. There is no excitement in your life. Oh, but, uh, you know, me, I am introverted. Nonsense. Let me explain to you. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. If you do not have joy in your life, something is wrong with you. You must have Christian energy. Listen to me carefully. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're one of those people who approaches life, oh, you know, life is so hard. My friend, you have no strength. You have no strength. I don't care what your doctor told you. I don't care what this modern scientist told you. But trust me, the zeal of the Lord has consumed me. It burns within my soul. A driving force that cannot be stopped. Listen, if you have no joy, you have no driving force. Which is why your things are left hanging. Hear me correctly. Yes, sir. You want to join the life? Okay, come sit by me. Right? You understand? So if you don't have joy, people who are consistently depressed, consistently sad, you lack Christian energy, it cannot work. You achieve nothing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But we're just beginning. There is more towards your journey of multiplying grace. And it says, in exercising this virtue, develop, add knowledge. In fact, it adds in brackets, intelligence. In other words, don't be stupid. Christianity is not for stupid people. Yeah, take offense, it's fine. It's not an abuse. But if you refuse, if you decide to reject knowledge, it is stupid. Let me tell you something. Christianity is the only religion in the world where the God of that religion says, come, let us reason together. It's the only one. 
In fact, put it to you in perspective, we are not called a church, we are called an ecclesia. An ecclesia is a place for people to come and debate and reason. Now, I wonder how to deal with Christians who can't think, who can't add intelligence, who can't add knowledge. You can't. So how do you multiply grace? You must take virtue and add on to that intelligence, knowledge. You must be able to do it. Must be. Say must. Must be. Thank you. Right? You must. If you can't increase in knowledge, you got it wrong. You're dead. Oh, let me explain something. Jesus said something very simple. He said this. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, understand the analogy. And I will not go into a lot of the analogy, but you need to understand that he said that the water in your life must be a river. In other words, it must be continually flowing. Now, we know water is the word. Word speaks to knowledge. Means that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will always be increasing in knowledge. This is why it says you move from glory to glory, faith to faith. So if you're not increasing up here, my friend. <laughs> oh my goodness. Right? And in exercising knowledge, I'm now in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. And in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. Now, let me explain to you what is wrong with your understanding with self-control. Listen, self-control is not the ability to say no. That's not control. Let me explain to you control. If you get into a car and you want to control a car, you need a steering, you need a gearbox with a gear stick, you need brakes, and you need an accelerator. And don't forget a, a driving card. Yes, and a driving license. <laughs> okay? So listen, to have self-control is to know, so staring with. So if you're making notes, notice, understand what the Bible means by self-control. Because many of you think self-control is, is I was hungry and I didn't eat. That's, that's not it. Self-control is this, understand. Steering wheel. Which direction am I going? Accelerator. How fast, how slow am I going towards where I'm going? Brake. Can I stop myself from going the wrong direction? Gearbox, how am I able to harness the power of where my accelerator is going? Did you hear me? Steering wheel, where am I going? Accelerator, how fast am I going there? Brake, can I stop myself from going the wrong direction? Or... Do I know when to stop when I've arrived where I'm going? And for gearbox, do I have the ability to harness the power which is being produced by my engine? Your engine is grace. Uh, let me give you an example. A lot of businesses have failed like this. You are busy selling two packets of unga. Then you get a deal to supply 1,000 packets of unga and you say, yes, you're insane. 
No, no, no. You must understand the principle, and this is self-control. And this is where you people miss self-control. You must understand that God told the children of Israel that I will give you the promised land bit by bit as your strength increases. So God's promises equally will come into your life as your strength increases. So let me give you a revelation. If God's promises in your life, you're only receiving what you received three years ago, four years ago, then that should tell you your strength is still the same of four years ago. He cannot add the weight. You will break. So remember self-control, steering, accelerator, brake, gearbox. That's how you control. The engine is provided by God. Amen. Am I making sense, son? Yeah? It's like... Tukasa. So it's like, when it says self-control, it's not just about, ati, oh, I could have smoked, I didn't smoke. That just breaks. You must also answer the question, what did you do? And you must also answer the question, why did you do it? That's where the staring is. You understand? So it's not just doing things for the sake of not doing it. Right, so I'll give you an example because you, that you're thinking of self-control is a bit warped. So let me give you an example. Today, as we speak, they're finding the medicinal values of marijuana. Now, if you consider it such a holy thing that you don't smoke marijuana, now when you catch a disease and you need to smoke, what conflict will you have? You need to understand that what you say no to must be said no to for a reason not because of religion you must have a reason why are you saying no oh me you know i don't eat pigs because it's forbidden come on god expects you to be a thinker use this why so let me give you an example let me ask you a practical question they told you your christianity must be practical so you get stuck in an island you're about to die the only animal there is pigs will you die You must have a reason as to why you say no. Don't say no oh, because I don't feel like because I... come on. That's like me when I say no, I don't want to do this. Yes, and I tell you, I, I do it, and it's also like me. I force things that I don't like to eat, but I actually like it. Then yeah, then you start I, liking it after I forced you to eat it, right? And if I don't like it, I just like I don't care. I'm just keeping my <laughs> life. I don't, I'm not repeating myself. Preacher Junior. Right now, the next preacher in the future, the next preacher in the future. <laughs> now, listen after you have self control, and the reason why you need to have knowledge before self control, please see how it's ordered. You must have knowledge before self control. Don't you know? Ken Walibora, the late, wrote something that was powerful. In other words, you must have a reason why you refuse things. You know, people are just, yeah. So you cannot practice self-control without knowledge if you don't know nothing, right? You just say no or yes to things because you think that's how it is. Then, after you have self-control, you must add steadfastness. Now, steadfastness is a combination of two things. The Bible says patience and endurance. Patience and endurance. You must be able to withstand some shocks in your life. This is 
just multiplying grace. Endurance. In other words, how can you stay in a place without the results you thought? Simple. That's endurance. Uh, and after you exercise steadfastness, then you can practice godliness, piety. And after you exercise godliness, brotherly affection, brotherly affection. Do you love your brothers? Brotherly affection. And in brotherly affection, says and love this, develop Christian love. Now, wait, and let me. How come I don't have adopted brothers that I, but I don't have a blood brother? <laughs> you, you, you want a blood brother? That is. You only have adopted brothers. Can I tell you something else? Mm -hmm. Every person who you meet is your brother, okay? From another. From another mother, yes. There you go. All right? Now, listen. And I, I don't want to go deep into verse 7, brotherly affection and Christian love, because that's what we are going to talk about, because this multiplies grace even more. But we'll do that next week. Now, verse 8. For as these qualities are yours, verse 8, please, if you're going to note something, Please underline this. For as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you. Eh? I told you, multiplication. In other words, if you have these qualities in you and increasingly, and they increasingly abound in you. So you must understand you are a river. You must always increase. If you are not increasing, what happens is this. If you're not increasing, what happens is this. It says they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful unto the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So if you do not know, if you see your life, it's unfruitful. You're not bearing fruit. That should tell you, you need to go back to these virtues and understand there's something seriously missing in you. And when you understand that, what happens? You are able to stop being idle or unfruitful. Those two things are very important. If you find yourself idle, now understand, I know there is corona, but if you find yourself idle, then you know this scripture, you've not put it in your life. If you find yourself unfruitful, that you are doing things and are not bearing fruit, then you know these scriptures don't apply in your life. Now, please understand. And um, 10 minutes of a time, I want to finish here. Whoever lacks these qualities is blind, spiritually, short-sighted. Seeing only what is near him, Unona Mapua, and has become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. 
Was denn? Was denn? Was denn? Because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble or fall. Listen. Because of this, to multiply grace. So let me give you the connection. You need to be solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble or fall. Input to in perspective. You spend a little too much time trying to be sinless. The key to being, yes, but you actually sin. All the, <laughs> the time. Key, all the time. The key to being sinless is this. Focus on finding your grace. Applying the virtues of multiplying grace in increasing measure. The more you do that, the more fruitful you will be and the less you will fall. It's that simple. I don't have much more to add. Okay, I think it's 10 minutes past the hour. We started 10 minutes late. We're going to fix that as we go. But I hope I've helped you. Please go make notes. Write down what I've said. Because the number of people I have seen stumble on these scriptures and they're unfruitful, and they're idle. And you know, you say it's Corona, I haven't gotten a job and whatever. Let me tell you, you are idle because your grace is not active. It's that simple. You're idle because your grace is not active. Because if your grace was active, it has the ability of attracting work. Next week, we continue. Multiplied grace. Part two, brotherly love. See you guys next week. Say goodbye. <clears throat> goodbye, everybody. <laughs>